Hello, and welcome to the goddamn. I was about to say TLVT podcast. How many <laughs> years? We've been doing this for longer than the TOVG podcast. <laughs> Sleepy brain. Hello. And welcome to the Dad and Sons. Are we sure we're not back in time? Yeah, no. No, we're not, not back in time. I, I don't hear Jimmy clacking on World of Warcraft. Instead, you hear me clacking <laughs> we on just hear my George keyboard. Away. Yeah. Miss you, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. So, so how are you guys doing? Did you guys play some games? Are you guys ready for the game that's coming out in the game of a few the hours? I can't believe you you call it. Uh, you you mean the game that came out seven minutes? A, ago. a game and not an interactive, life changing experience. Also, yeah, what? It came out seven minutes ago. It comes out in a day. I thought it comes. It came out seven minutes ago. I'm from oh, the it's future. midnight. That's right. You are. I live in a present timeline where Death Stranding of a is now a publicly available piece of software. Oh man, I I wonder if <laughs> I wonder actually what uh what the reviews did to the launch day waiting times. Like if if we see lines and stuff, is that are those going to be be kicked out by uh, maybe some some apprehension from the reviews? Uh, I don't think so. I think down a notch. I think whoever was going to buy this game or had any interest in it anyway <laughs> is going to buy it regardless, regardless Guilty of whether it gets a six point eight or it gets a ten out of ten or a forty out of forty from Famitsu. I haven't been looking at anything. It's been getting bad reviews, is what you're saying. It's been getting uh, disparaging reviews. Divisive. Yes. What if it's all like a joke? <laughs> <laughs> I think some people who've already played it and reviewed it might think it is. There's one. The Edge magazine has actually refused to review it. They canceled their review. The the guy found it too boring to finish. <laughs> well, I mean, that kind of sounds like what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> the delivery, man. <laughs> I have my suspicions. Yeah, I was worried that the asynchronous multiplayer would make something a lot more interesting to play when it's out with millions of other people building bases instead of just the the 30 reviewers. Like, it can really... As I'm sure we are all aware of, the environment and the pacing and the pressures that you're through when you make a review can really impact your opinion and how much fun you're having. Kojima just posted a nice little fun little tweet. He doesn't seem to be in Japan right now, but he uh, had a zoom in of it turning to midnight on his phone, Japan time. And he just did a nice little thumbs up. That cute boy. That boy is not phased. He is not phased. Because he knows he's going to sell like 10 million. (laughs) All right. And everyone's going to love this game, even though it might be garbage. I'm still going to enjoy the hell out of it. Oh, man. I can't wait for you to come next week. I just talk so much shit about it <laughs> oh you know it you know, but, but hey man there's gotta be something cool about it i mean they can't it can't all be it's, it's one of those right uh, can i can i quote one review at least for you matt just just a small yeah, tidbit yeah go ahead yeah supposedly it doesn't get good until about 10 hours in oh my oh. god <laughs> <laughs> familiar story oh no <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, God! I can't believe I'm 
about to say something similar. <laughs> Outer Worlds, like my opinion on it, has gradually gone over into like really lovey dovey gushy territory. I'm I'm falling in love with this game. Mm. George, I'm, I hear the clicking. Yes. Refrain. Uh, well, Refrain. We, we changed Refrain. topics. I made a new timestamp for the listeners. We, you you <laughs> tried to transition, but we're still we're still on the Kojima hype. Ah, uh, <laughs> you can't ignore it. You're the biggest Kojima fan here. It's your I know. it's your novel duty as the famous Metal Gear YouTuber. <laughs> Play this game. But that's more like. The next oh okay yeah see and this is gonna be it's, super it's all... funny because the next review you're gonna do is definitely not gonna be a death stranding review <laughs> i'm i'm gonna be doing colorblind modes video that this week and then and then probably death stranding for for the next couple weeks and then back to disco elysium and and outer worlds and stuff but yeah okay like i D death stranding it just it feels to me over here in america where we live in the past like like a next week thing over there in Japan, I'm sure it feels like like the a most timely thing? relevant thing. Like a now yeah. thing. Yeah, over there where it's midnight, twelve o'clock. You guys are holding me up. I could be stranding with people. Oh my god! Well, good thing we started early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after the podcast at like two a.m., you can go by Death Strand. You know, actually, yeah, I bet they do midnight launches. Midnight launches. How popular are they in Japan? Uh, well, it depends. Usually console launches are, are the big one. You know, I preloaded it. I preloaded it, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oh my god, that's... So you're not even gonna have to go to a store. Wait, are you literally going to turn the podcast off and then play Death Stranding after we're done? Uh, yeah. you know it. Uh. I, yeah, that I, sounds so accommodating, doesn't it, George? Doesn't I, it, George? You know... <laughs> <laughs> just do it <laughs> but what are i don't i uh, you know it's why, also why does that easy george we can't talk pre-ordering is also pretty easy <laughs> 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 you know what i'm gonna have to do literally two seconds to the store go in show show a little receipt pay for the rest and then go right back out <laughs> wait 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 are you trying to talk shit about how i don't pre-order and just like call a store and go so what's so what's uh, well not necessarily talking shit, but it's saying it's it's unnecessary. Okay, you don't have to so look for anything, you pay five dollars to reserve something real quick. Even at Best Buy, you don't have to go to GameStop. And then so so for for clarification though, because the listeners aren't gonna know, we need to like talk about what's happening here. We're all gonna be playing Death Stranding in in like We're a all day. Getting in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm going to call a store that has, as I typically do, I haven't really felt the temptation or the need to pre-order. Oh, I just call God. a store. Usually it takes George, no more than two phone calls. George, I love and then you I so go. much, but man, do I want this to be sold out. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Liam has it digitally pre-ordered, pre-loaded on his PS4. Matt has it physically pre-ordered in a store. Yeah. So, I, but okay, you just like call two stores and then show up and it's there and then it's like buying any other thing. You can't talk shit about it. That's what you're hoping. That's what you're hoping. It's it's always been the case without fail. I don't know. This is the biggest game of the year. 
Like, like, and yeah, last year Smash Ultimate was the biggest game of the year, and I just went to Target instead of GameSpot, and they had shelves of it. Did you see that Smash Brothers became the highest selling fighting game series of all time? I say fighting Damn. game with quotations. No, it's 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 a fighting game. I don't know. Did we ever like settle on that? Do we have a rule about whether or not I disagree? I disagree with you as a huge huge fan of Smash Brothers, but I'll talk more about that after because today was another exciting day in regards to Smash Brothers. But anyway, oh yeah, yeah, we we might get into that with the news. There was the big SNK presentation. Whoa, just skipping over the fact that I want to talk about Tabba. What the fuck am I even doing here? Ah, go, go ahead, fine, talk about what- I can't segue, I can't hint, I can't foreshadow. <laughs> you can't type on the keyboard. Can't type on the keyboard! can't type on the keyboard. <laughs> we are driving Do you know who is good at foreshadowing, though? the past couple episodes. <laughs> Do you know who is good at foreshadowing, though? Or claims to be? Oh! <laughs> Hideo Kojima. Now we're back full circle and let's continue. Uh, cause the thing is, I didn't even expect to talk that much about Death Stranding because A, it's not out, because B, the yes, reviews did end up Oh my fucking- <laughs> Liam, because it's been out for 15 minutes 16 at 12.16am in Japan for one out of the three people- That's like, what, 33% for only 15 minutes? That's- the game is out for an extremely small minority of the participants here. <laughs> Liam already has his PS4 on. He, he has it warming up. Yeah. For practical thoughts and considerations, that trend is not out right now. Wait, actually, that's a good idea. I don't. I could have it on. I could be looking at it. Yeah. I could be doing all of these things, and yet I'm Hearing wrapped up music, in a blanket, man. drinking tea, talking to you. <laughs> but I don't... Does it feel like a little dirty to you guys to be getting hyped up about something that's getting sixes and sevens? I am not hyped about this game. I'm intrigued. Yeah. But I, I'm enjoying... No... What I say, I'm enjoying you the discourse. I'm not. It's weird to think that we live in a weird cultural media age where the, the disparaging hatred for Rick and Morty because of the people who like it, and now <laughs> and now the overlapping same people like who Rick hate Death Stranding. I really like Rick and Morty. What's what was what's wrong with Rick and Morty? Oh boy! Oh, well, we have a lot to talk about. I don't actually think there is anything wrong with Rick and Morty as a no. show, but the discourse around yeah. it on the internet is another. Thing. It's like oh. how it's been marketed and can interpreted. Oh, like, the I, smart I, stuff. Did you oh, see? Yeah, yeah. Of the, did, yeah, yeah, exactly. Morty's a damn show. That was that was like <laughs> that was like all of the Death Stranding reviews was like, well, this reviewer didn't get it because they're not smart enough to read. Oh IQ wasn't, Mr. wasn't high enough. When I was reviewing Metal Gear, that was a little bit of that. There was a little bit of that in the comments. Yeah. I was like, nah, I'm good. You're yeah. one of them. <sighs> see. You kind of got to worry, like, like the thing is, I, I was super duper in love with Kojima's work and whatnot. They took completely enraptured me as a teenager turning into a young adult. Now I'm a regular adult, and going back to a lot of that, MGS one and three is still good most yeah. of the time. But there's, I, I, I can't say they've exactly aged as well as uh, I don't know George Clooney. <laughs> that boy does look good. That's the only celebrity over fifty, you know, isn't it? <laughs> probably at least like the most handsome anyways um so yeah let, did you see I, did you actually see the death stranding rick and morty yeah, advert I, 
I did. It oh. It was... It's See, that's the thing. There's so much stuff tied to Rick and Morty. Like, Conan? Come on. You mean you mean Death Stranding? Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah there's so many things tied to it. Oh, okay. Like, there's so many so many brands it's it's weird for it to be sucky it's so weird how do you fail that hard i remember like watching through rick and morty and enjoying it and having a good old clever time with the fun cartoon sitcom but then i saw a commercial on adult swim that used the slogan only a show this stupid could be this smart and I was thinking to myself, like, oh, no, there's a lot of 19-year-olds who are going to misinterpret that and take it seriously. And then two months later, Szechuan Sauce happened, and now it's not cool oh, to like yeah. Rick and Morty anymore. Like, it's not because of the show itself. It's stuff outside of the show's control. People like two outside should not change your opinion about the show. But it's made me... If you like the show, you should just like the show. I feel like it opens the door, though, on how it can be misinterpreted like that. Like, Rick and Morty has a lot of jokes that kind of, like, make fun of nihilism and faux intellectualism, but then it makes you realize that there's a chunk of the audience who are, like, too young to know any better. And then I, it makes me wonder if, if it's doing that kind of joke with the kind of nuance and maturity that is required to make sure it lands on as much of, of the audience as possible. I... I also heard that season three wasn't as good as the first two. I don't. I disagree. But that's a lot of the people are like, oh, there's a woman writing now. <laughs> no, I actually. It, th what happened is that they it stopped being <laughs> single episodes. It started being like a, a whole clean like. Uh, oh, yeah. The arcs. The arcs. And arcs. the arcs are, I thought, were good. Yeah, that was know. that was some Maybe. good stuff. Like finding out that they're clones and not the ear. That was that was a fun reveal that you wouldn't have gotten if you hadn't seen previous eps. Yeah, and they, they talk about it. So, yeah, well, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Well, you can yeah. like things. They're just ignore he, he other people. Like things, you guys. can like anything you want, apart yeah. from, you know, racism and all that garbage. Don't like that. Yeah, don't. Don't. Even pineapple on, not around me. Don't be a prick either. on the internet. Don't be a prick on the internet either. Or, <laughs> so, no, so you can't like Randy Pitchford, then got it. But... <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't like pricks on the internet but don't be a prick maybe mm. do you guys use the slang prick or is that just an english yeah. thing yes no i oh, like nice. prick prick it, it, it like it has a hit to it prick. it does it has like a tang like it, it's, a it's, a use, prick. it's used to describe both genitalia and the feeling of pain mm -hmm. so it like it's it's versatile oh i love it when they use it in fantasy fantasy books or she touched prick. prick. <laughs> Wait, it's not, it didn't sound good. <laughs> not, not <laughs> That's what it sounds like in the UK, and, and it's basically the the calling sign of you're about to get beaten up. <laughs> so, anyways, Outer Worlds. Have you guys been playing more Outer Worlds? Because Outer Worlds is all I'm playing right now. I finished it. I can't believe I you finished. Have it. been playing it, but it's I not am that long. Lagging behind. If if you focus on the main quest, you're probably just no. gonna like scoop this game and then throw it out. Oh my god, I did every quest. I don't understand how you can do every quest and finish that game in like four days. Was it four days? We are talking days. about Matt. Yeah. So Matt's Matt's a machine. We, it was it wasn't four days, but it was it was 
It was good for most of the time. You just have to like put some gasoline inside of Matt and and pull a cord, and he He's starts like, chugging. <laughs> I gotta look up if those planets were actually vacant or something, because there was like a it's like a planet. I, I know the two planets you're talking about, and I'm still not there. And oh, I know what it is. I bet it's supernova mode and lack of fast travel. Like every time I gotta go back to a planet and turn in a quest, it's a five minute walk. 10 minutes if there's monsters oh god yeah okay so oh, i eventually got used to it though the, the idea is to like consolidate your quest so you can check in multiple times by making one trip like bring a bunch of groceries up the stairs yeah no i i've like come to really like supernova mode and even this game's jank ass stiffy combat yeah <laughs> yeah okay okay yeah I, I didn't know if anyone else had any any comments before i like go down I'm, my i'm ready i'm ready for the the novel my <laughs> roller coaster here yeah the novel <laughs> let me okay. let me let <laughs> me just preface this by saying i have not progressed past i think i'm about to just about to go to monarch wow oh um, dude some of us have jobs friends <laughs> oh my god Yo, dude, that's not, no, 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 no. It's been like two weeks, man. You can't say that's blood about jobs. You've you been remember doing when you else. played through both Bloodstained doing... games in like a couple days? 15 hours I've played this game so far. Come on. Uh, that's well... you. That's <laughs> all you. It's all you. Two... 15 hours in two weeks is, whew. There's other things to do with life. That probably means he was like hanging out with with you know girlfriend and and regular friends and eating food and so being outside in the sun and I went to San Diego to party. <laughs> Outer Worlds is cool, but all that stuff sounds important. <laughs> Did you take a PS Bowl with you? No, oh my god, no. <laughs> Got your own little travel case. You're like, I must finish this game right now. No, uh, I'm not thinking about okay. games at all when I'm out. <laughs> Matt, I know the two planets you're off. talking about. They're still not unlocked for me. I'm like 30 to 40 hours in, and I've been doing a lot of quests on Monarch. I thought I would have Monarch wrapped up a few days ago. It turns out there's a lot to do on Monarch, and Monarch is almost feeling like the main, like, primary uh, hub for the whole game. If the time that I'm spending there is comparable to the other little towns, you have uh, the city, Byzantium, you have some space stations that you go to, which are little dungeons. But yeah, I'm I'm doing the science weapons. Did you do the science weapons quests? I did. I did all of that. Ah! I did all so you of got that. the cool, um, the cool, the fun stuff, the mind control ray, the shrink ray. So the four, the four planets that you see on the on the map that are locked, you can't access them, and there's no quest for them. Wait, forever for everyone? For everyone? Like you looked it up? I looked it up. Oh, I thought this game was going to be a long time. And there was this point where it's like, oh, there's a point of no return. And I'm like, oh, OK, this is like the midway point and played it. And it just ended. And I was like, oh, oh, oh OK, <laughs> OK, that's it. <laughs> the companion, the companions are just like the, the, the quests are weak. They're really? Weak, man. Yes. You didn't like doing 
Wait, I don't know if I'm allowed to spoil. One of the them is like helping with a date. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's and that's goofy. Right? It's it's nice. I, it, uh-huh. The voice acting is great, but it's it's stretched out. I'm gonna get this dress on this planet. I'm gonna get this on this planet. It's a fetch quest. There's nothing meaty about that. Like I did not want to do Felix's stuff because I just don't care about that guy. <laughs> so I did skip him. But like, yeah, it's just. It's it's a little, it was a little weak. The companions are Felix weak. has you hooking up with a guy who Stop. has a base that hey. you can make decisions with to Stop. put him on your side or blast his Stop. way. Up. I liked Felix's quest. <laughs> I liked the Vicar's quest. So now I can't even like like mention the stuff about the game I want to talk about. Ah! You can say how much you loved it. <laughs> Yes, you did like the Vicar's quest where you just like go have a spiritual journey formation anniversary. Yo, yo, every time there's a game like this that comes out, especially space, I think about Mass Effect. If you cannot beat Mass Effect 1 or 2, because Mass Effect 3 or whatever that crap that came out after doesn't exist. Andromeda. And Poopita. Um, oh, good that, one. That's so good from the guy who didn't like Outer Worlds. I so badly wanted to say that too. Um, yeah. Um, where you just have these, just all this dialogue with your with your companions. And then you have these nice side quests that kind of just fit in. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe I need to play that again. Maybe I'm remembering that wrong. Maybe I'm romanticizing Mass Effect 2, but geez, it was way freaking better than this garbage. I mean, I mean, sorry, it was it's not garbage. So, it's um, a different style. It's like it's all great. The, it's great. cynical it's and game. quiet. I just it's sarcastic. Mass Effect like plays missing, everything straight. It's, it's missing so much, man. It's missing so much. Man, I think I it's a different I, game. I think it I think you can't a really different game to I think a it's, different game, Liam? The Mass Effect, yeah. All that yeah. content is a different game. What is this? Wait, are we still talking about Outer Worlds? Outer Worlds? Outer Worlds. Let's see. I don't think. Well, I don't know. It depends on how you look at. It. Like, you can finish Mass Effect two in or in like thirty hours. Mm-hmm. Like the Outer Worlds just takes thirty hours, right? Oh yeah, no standard practice is sixty dollars. So we are gonna have to. Compare it to a. I feel like, like I, I'm getting my money's worth out of this game so far. Like a, a lot of the buildings, it's just like Fallout. You know, you go into a building, you just scavenge around, you fucking shoot some shit. The main, talk to the some main dudes. story is 11 hours. Um, with extra, it's 21 hours. <laughs> I have definitely been going down the extra path then. But how much is Mass Effect? I'm looking it up now. Don't Mass lie. Effect 1 or 2. Don't two. you lie to me, Matt. To it, to the main story is twenty four hours and with extras, thirty six and thirty six is- hours. Oh, rushed is fifteen. Okay, if we're gonna be going down a discussion about how much hours the game was, has, then you should. There was so much dialogue. There was there was there was, was character building. Dialogue. There was, was world good. building. I'm just saying. There's world building the games it's these days. Suck. <laughs> when it comes down to the, some of the stuff that he used to do, man. How yeah. can you have a game called The Outer Worlds without any out, outer world building? Dude, I don't know, man. 
I'll just say this. Like, the companions, the board is loose. Like, you don't actually understand what the hell is going on. Like, you meet some of them. The It's just the interaction with the factions and everything. It just seems it, it just seems everything is separated from that is separated and it's separated from the main quest as well. Like it's the main quest seems something totally different. And then you're just on this big side quest all the time for the rest of the world. That's how it feels like it doesn't seem all connected. And I feel like I have a greater tolerance for that because I actually like that. Yeah, no. I know. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like, yeah, I know. I was going to say, like, it's weird because, Matt, you kind of brought it up when we were talking about it in Discord. Like, this game just feels like uh, you're just kind of being a space cowboy. You're just walking around, doing shit, being a freelancer. Like, there's no... It doesn't feel like there is a big overarching story even when you're on the main quest line. You're saving the yeah, whole colonists, except the scientist has clearly got an ulterior motive that you find Stop out... talking about how can i say anything anymore the game i'm not that's the bull premise is it though yes it's about taking down capitalism or enforcing capitalism they missed the ball (laughs) i feel like it is like basically what i'm trying to say without spoiling anything is that the side quests and the main quest tend to feature doing the same things or they feel to have the same weight of importance upon them there isn't like how is that bad though that's what i'm saying i don't think it's necessarily bad sometimes you do want to play a game where the side like the witcher i feel like is the best example of this where like and also the fallout franchise has always been no i think the fallout edges more towards where everything's a bit more Samey, everything's weight of in, the same weight of importance. Whereas The Witcher, I feel, has very clear, highlighted main quest scenarios that change the dynamic of either the world or the game or the characters of the story. And the side quests are these neato, pieced together, nice little tidbit stories that see Geralt doing other stuff that is of importance in that tiny story, but doesn't have an overarching importance upon the world whereas the outer world neither the side quests or the main quests really have too much importance like beyond you know progressing further into space and doing stuff fallout's the same i never felt like there were quests in fallout that had major consequence that were like they changed the face of the game and that was the moment people remember everything was very similar and i i feel like that's fun and i do get a lot of enjoyment out of that but i can see why matt thinks hey this game is missing something here it's it's missing like this importance to it like there is this board and their idea of taking down or like trying to you know build up some form of you know uprising to come against capitalism so we can save all these wonderful colonists and all this kind of jazz that it doesn't really seem like it tries to put too much importance on that that's just the background story yeah i feel that part of the reasons why maybe it doesn't go super duper ham on whether or not you're going to be destroying capitalism is because 
the rhetoric of the game is going to dig into the pressures and the anxieties that the workers working on the game were feeling. And I feel like that is a bold new direction that creates this vibe of apprehension in a game's flavor text I've never really felt before. Like when you're reading through a diary of a team of workers who are like locked in the factory and starved because the company doesn't think they're profitable anymore and they roll along with it and are fine with it up to a point where they realize they're going to die. And then you start reading a bunch of diary issues that are like, here's this big middle finger to my boss. I'm going to make sure my corpse dies in the pose of so they know. I, I feel like it would have been really weird writing that stuff under the conditions of a of a crunch imposed game launch with a, a, a troublesome janky engine to work with. And that uh, that feeling of discomfort is something that I think is very, very relevant and unique to our times that you're not going to be able to capture in many other games and many other release windows. I do feel like The Outer Worlds has some pretty high moments when it comes to writing or character dialogue. I, I think Matt would agree and has kind of talked about is that mm. the the companions in this game are pretty fucking great. And they have a lot of personality. There's jank all over the place and they're buggy and weird sometimes, but... But they're also unconventional. They're not normal companions. Yeah, it does feel like you are... What is, like It does feel like you're not alone while you're walking, while you're going through the game. It always feels like you have, you know, those characters. Whereas in Fallout, it's like next to here or, or anything, like whether I'm alone or I'm not alone, I forget. Same with Skyrim and that kind of thing. Whereas in the Outer Worlds, it does feel like if I turn around and, you know, Parvati is there or Max or Ellie and you're like, ah, hey guys, how's it going? Let's shoot some dude in the dick and take his helmet. Ever since Fallout, the team behind this stuff has always put forth an effort to try to break conventions and and just completely slap the fucking archetypes in the face. Like your companions are going to be a, a priest and a cleaning robot. They're wacky. They're zany. Uh, I guess... Hunter girl Nyoka kind of fits a usual archetype. Um, Felix sort of does as well, but the others are are unique, weird kind of characters I haven't haven't so often had to encounter. Wow. Like like a priest who has a crisis of faith. I loved his side quest, and and he like becomes a space. Uh, never mind. What? Ah! There's something that happened at the end too. Some type of glitch. Oh, yeah, you were saying you had, like, a problem where you couldn't even finish the game. Oh, yeah, oh, that. And then, for some reason, at the end, one of my characters died for some reason. For no reason at all. Oh. Like, not. it wasn't in a cutscene. Don't worry, it's not, like, a spoiler or anything. It's, like, it, it just literally said, this person did not survive. And I'm, like, she was with me. What are you, what are you talking about? What, what, it's just, I don't like thinking about development when i'm playing a game yeah man games are hard <laughs> yeah yeah i don't want to so hard i i know i know and i don't want to you know when i talk smack i don't want to talk smack about them it's like they probably it's probably something happened because you can tell with the planets the planet some planets are better some planets actually have side quests and some planets don't <laughs> some planets don't have a lot of good stuff going on at all you know it's just an empty husk but yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. Again, it's good to have a little burger just before you have a steak. You know, if you're a little hungry, can't wait for the steak all the time. Gotta gotta stop at the fast food. Get yourself a little little dollar menu. Cheese. I uh, 
I, I also wanted to do a brief word about figuring out the combat system and, and <laughs> a brief a brief word uh, by adapting George. to to supernova <laughs> mode where uh, once once you hit leadership twenty and can use the companion abilities, it basically gives you a window of invincibility to press a button on your keyboard where crazy slow motion vats nonsense happens. The animation basically has the camera pan around a character firing a weapon and then immediately cuts to an enemy getting splattered by the weapon. I so if you completely put a com forgot that you can do that. It completely changes the game, actually. I think this is, might mm -hmm. explain why I'm so ha having my opinion inflated by it, is once I got those companion abilities, it all clicked in a way that it didn't before. I got so them what super easy when I had pro only one companion and I was using Pravati with a big hammer. And then once I got multiple companions, I completely forgot about it because combat is relatively easy. But I guess you're playing on Supernova, right? On Supernova mode, it's not. Yeah, what you do on Supernova mode is is sneak all the time, look at the next group of enemies, Ugh. try to figure out where you can lure them into a choke point, manually position your your party to ambush them, go up, sneak attack the first enemy, run away, maybe close a door or something, and then you press that slow motion button and start thinking out every little individual move that your party's gonna do. And it feels like it's actually making good on the idea that Vats was trying to do, which is to to RPGify your FPS combat system and engine, because in the Outer Worlds, all of your combat stats fold into TTD. Like even stealth, you can use. There's a perk that will increase your movement speed and under TTD. So if you're about to get spotted, you can press the TTD button and like zip at super speed behind cover and still maintain your stealth. Or if you're a melee character, or if you like shotguns, you can use TTD and that movement speed to close the gap and get close up range into enemies. And while you're managing that, you're also managing the, the meters for your cooldown abilities, which give you a window of invincibility. And that window of invincibility is like a little sanctuary where you can think with uh, with all the safety and the time that you would have in a normal RPG about your next move. And I've had some really, really fun fights by uh, kind of playing it like a single player Borderlands game. In Supernova mode, the enemies get really bullet spongy. You uh, <laughs> it takes like 50 bullets to kill one giant mutant mantis. So you're constantly zipping in and out of slow motion mode, working on where your companions are going to be positioned in order to make sure everyone has a good line of sight, that everyone's meters are refilling at a good rate, and that you keep up this DPS machine long enough to, to kill down a big bullet spongy bad guy together. And it feels good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. No, it's nice. It's nice to see you enthusiastic about a game that is modern and is yes. out now. I guess it's yes. the, the least modern of the modern games. I know. I, modern in like a lot of quotation marks. That's uh, That modern is doing a lot of legwork here. But yeah, like I, I mean, last week I was a little underwhelmed. I think that the aesthetics, the presentation of it felt a decade behind the times. But now that I've had times to overcome that curve and and tolerate it and, and ramp the difficulty of it and learn how to work with it under those conditions, I'm invested and appreciating my investment. Yeah, I mean, I only invested a dollar, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Speaking of things inflating our opinions, the price tag is probably another big reason I'm so uh, happy with it. I bought it on PS4, so. <laughs> Well, well, you, you could be somewhere in the middle. 
I think it's because I'm, the PC version I played for like six hours, but I had to start again because the bugs were so bad. But I was enjoying it. And I didn't want to not play it, so I had to replay like my first six hours again as well. So there you go, Matt. Maybe that's why I'm not a monarch yet. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think you just been doing other stuff. <laughs> I think you just been playing other games. <laughs> no, I've been making games. That's the problem. Hey, I just yeah. don't have the time. I want to get a, I want to get a little beta going on. What's going on, man? Look a brother up, man. Hey, man. Chill hey. out. Jeez. Hey, man. Guys, are you not like, do you not get anxiety about how many games are coming out right now? That And you'll never be able to play all of them. Well, I'm definitely playing Star Wars and Death Stranding for sure. But what about I'm... Pokemon as well? Oh yeah, I'm playing Pokemon. Yeah. See, my enthusiasm for Pokemon kind of November. No, it's funny. It's so funny you say that because my enthusiasm was a was a bottom zero. It was like a ah, this is a safe bet. Now I can just buy Jedi Fallen Order and have a great time with a cool Star Warsy Bloodborne game that has Metroid elements. It sounds fucking cool. But then I saw the leaks. I don't know if you guys saw the Pokemon leaks no. at all. You guys care about how many Pokemon have been cut or are cut or on? No, no, no. Okay, I, so, I wish I didn't, but I did see those same leaks. And okay, I'm, wait, because this is a, a, a spoilers for anybody who cares about Pokemon. Because some people really touch you about this for some reason, whatever. So, oh, the full Pokedex is leaked. Holy shit! Yeah, the whole Pokedex leaked, and four hundred Pokemon are in Sword and Shield, which is a lot. But 81 of them are new a new Pokemon or new species. So that means like 512 previous Pokemon, something around that number, have been cut from the game. Damn. <laughs> including like, What did in- they expect? Including some uh, you know, well-known famous favorites like the Bulbasaur line and what? the Squirtle line. <laughs> What? No Squirtle, no Bulbasaur, no Scyther, no Dragonite, no Ho-Oh, no Lugia, no no Mewtwo, no Musing Dragonite. there. Yeah, no Dragonite, no Tentacool, no Tentacruel, no Beedrill. Why why would they cut the original one fifty? That see that this is the thing, right? So I can understand why you don't have. 900 plus Pokemon in a video game. And no matter how many people scream and shout on Twitter about animations you've taken from other games, doesn't work like that. You don't understand how video game development works. So don't try that bullshit. But <laughs> what I will never won't understand is, and I'm not somebody who is like, oh, the 150 were the best because of the reason I'll talk about in a minute why I got excited about the new game. You should still always include the original 150 i nostalgia. don't like just based I, yeah just based on the stuff i do not understand how the most iconic pokemon some of them get cut like i get it but you you have to make that tiny bit more effort just to make sure the 150 are in there like the, the some of the later ones i mean that's fine cut those out there's not so much nostalgia for those guys don't make 900 plus Pokemon, but do definitely keep the 150. I don't understand why they didn't. Okay, I, I, I have a lot of questions. Wait, 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 wait. I just want to say, 
But the reason I got excited was because I saw the leaks of what the new Pokemon looked like. And it's been kind of, you know, a contested thing on the internet about how shit or how lazy or like people don't like the, some of the new Pokemon that have come out in recent years. I was actually like going through some of the new Pokemon and I think a load of them look really neat. And they're inspired by really obscure, weird things from... Because obviously the new game's set in England or Britain or whatever. And they have really obscure Pokemon references to strange things like old coal trains in the UK that used to ferry coal across from factory to factory. There's like this giant volcano-looking motherfucker with like flame coals on his back. It looks awesome. So there's all these new Pokemon that have these weird references but there's a hack of a lot of like insect based pokemon as well like centipedes and dragonflies and ladybirds and they're all really unique looking and they look way better than pokemon in recent times so i'm actually kind of excited now because of the new pokemon not the old ones so so i i, I have a lot of questions as as someone who who doesn't know much about pokemon and is not like particularly invested either way one of the big things that completely goes over my head whenever I, I read about this issue is, did all Pokemon games up until this point include every Pokemon ever? No. Is that is that actually what they're... Because that sounds like what they want. No. And that they, sounds a little unreasonable. No. Uh, no, I don't think they did. But you, it, it was possible to transfer Pokemon from older games into... How did that work? Because you can trade it. Pokemon Bank. Pokemon no. Bank, yeah, Pokemon Bank. What what model and animation would they use? Like if they didn't make an asset for some weird obscure Pokemon from twenty years ago, what happened? Well they no, they they obviously had the models for every Pokemon on the three DS games. Yeah. They just weren't available to catch. They were yeah. there, they weren't available to oh. catch. You could transfer your team over. Oh, so this yeah. was the gimmick they would use to get people to trade with each other. I I think I get. Well, it. they would gimmick do it better. so you could <laughs> the game, the main premise of the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm fucking sorry that I haven't seriously played Pokemon since I was like 13. <laughs> no, so I think pe people's problem is obviously Pokemon Bank existed, so you could you know you could have full Pokedexes and keep them in there and all this kind of jazz, but. Now, you can't trade to the Switch version, and the Switch version is completely brand new. All new models, all based on other ones, and you can't trade. So, there isn't data for all of the Pokemon now. Maybe there will be in time. Maybe they will keep updating it. Maybe they'll release DLC. Maybe it's a completely different model. Nobody knows yet. But for right now, there is only 400 Pokemon, which is still a lot of Pokemon. They, they, they kept Charmander. And I wanted Score Bunny. Now, now I have to make a decision. I'm gonna get Charmander. Grookey boys, Grookey boys. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't pick grass. I don't know why. I don't pick grass either. Usually, I pick either fire or water. But Grookey looks well. Like he I looks can't the best. See him? Yeah, I can't, I can't see his final transformation. Oh man, I I won't spoil it, but it's 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 something. Oh, it's like a big monkey. Well, there you go. You spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a big monkey with two like drumming sticks with a giant bongo in the middle. He looks like uh, a hippie. He looks awesome. The water type looking slender. I like that. Hey. 
Are you sexually yeah. attracted to a Pokemon now? No, 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 I'm not. Not one of those uh, types of dudes. No, oh, I thought we were. Thought we were sharing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just you, Liam. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> and maybe George. Yeah. I thought I finally found others. He's already into furries. Pokemon is not that far on, right? Wait, no, I don't. You shoot. I mean, if you watch Detective Pikachu, there are some furry Pokemon in there. That doesn't mean that you're a furry. Wait, so we all going to play Pokemon as well? Probably. And I Jedi mean, who, who are we Will that kidding? be four games in one month we play together? Oh, my. Well, I don't George know if I can do play. all that in one month. <laughs> I'm finishing the Outer Worlds. I'm finishing Disco Elite. It feels so good to have two excellent RPGs that are, like, nerdy and Western that I can just jump on right now it's great yeah and that's how it feels to beat disco because it's I, I so like I don't weird have the patience for it yeah disco is not for everyone outer worlds isn't for everyone it's it's weird there are two games that feel like they're out specifically catering to like the niches i'm interested in disco. and then death stranding which i should be but i'm not as much as the other two yeah disco got the 17th ever 10 out of 10 from GameSpot. holy crap there's only been 17 yeah, supposedly. That's like one every other year. That's not a lot. No. One of them was MGS4. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Which I liked. So maybe no, I'll like this trending. Time and place, an individual writer, and, and unpredictable variables contribute to a number. It's funny because I was thinking about Death Stranding because somebody asked for my PlayStation ID today at my office. And I was thinking, man, I've had this PlayStation ID since I was 16 years old, which is when I bought a PlayStation 3 to play Metal Gear Solid 4 or whatever it was. Maybe I was 18. I can't remember. But I was like, oh, damn. MGS4 was the reason I bought a PlayStation 3 and set up this account. And now I'm going to play Death Stranding tomorrow. Oh, my God. So we got any any other games we're playing through these days? Smash Brothers. You're back on Smash? I never stopped. <laughs> I honestly play... I I, it, it has been a consistent, like, three, four months now where I have pretty much played Smash every day at lunchtime. Sprinkled with Destiny in the middle of summer. So what's 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 new these days? Derry! Um, yeah, yeah, Are you the 50-minute okay? video. Are you okay? <laughs> okay! Are you okay? Okay! <laughs> yeah, Sakurai's 45-minute massive nerd rant about SNK games, which was both beautiful and weird that an official Nintendo video about Smash Bros. was basically Sakurai just talking about his love of SNK and how nerdy the details are for this update, which is delightful. Uh, also, <laughs> Smash Bros. is for good boys and, and good girls. And and not my and uh, not my my no my no my no November my, no buy no my November, um. But huh. Terry came out after the up uh, after the video finished with a new update, and uh, it's funny you were talking about whether Smash Brothers is a fighting game or not. Well, because he has fighting inputs like with, you, you got a quarter circle. Terry, no, he has more. He has way more than Ryu and Ken have. To argue the case that Smash Brothers is now partially, if you were not inclined to fall, is now partially like a fighting game, 
Because one character <laughs> acts entirely like a fighting game character. So now Smash Brothers is only partially a fighting game. Yes, because oh one, my God, whatever Leo. percentage of the character roster is uh, Terry, uh, well, he's 1%. You, so. you understand that Smash Bros. is part of the FGC, right? I know. It's a game in which people fight. You know fight. what the FGC stands for, right? Final Fighting. games community. What happens when two Smash players <laughs> press buttons on their controllers? What do the characters do? Well, what happens when you play League of Legends and the characters throw things at each other by pressing buttons? <laughs> it's not the same thing. <laughs> it's, the genre is literally called fighting, and that's, that is what you do it's, in these games. It's like a brawler than anything else. I, I See, the thing is, I know what you mean, and it just makes me go... <gasps> <laughs> yes. see, okay, so so I played a lot of fighting games, and I I understand. And to be honest, it doesn't matter at all to me. But in my own mind, I don't think Smash Brothers is a fighting game. I don't. But it's a game I love, and I love playing because you fight in it. Okay. Wow. Right. Uh, anyway, but now Terry is in <laughs> the it. The mind of Liam, everyone. Now, now, now Terry is in it, and I am well versed with fighting games. <laughs> he is great because he plays like a fighting game character. But this is what this is probably what, in my mind, makes my point even stronger. Terry feels so different to every other character because he's a fighting game character that it makes the other characters not feel like they're part of the same game. So that to me means that Smash Brothers wasn't built to be like a fighting game. If Terry feels so much like a fighting game character, yeah, everybody else is different. That to me proves that Smash Brothers really isn't a fighting game. Pedanticness aside, yeah, Terry's, I, I, Terry I, there's is so really many fun. places I could have jumped in there. Yeah, Terry is really fun. He is complex. And he has his faults, like his recovery game and his air game is abysmal because he doesn't have that many uh, neutral hits that hit hard or at good angles. He's pretty slow. But on the ground, he's a beast. He's a monster. He has so many options and you can do them he's by doing... Yeah, He's not Little Mac Power, but he has a, a, like a shoulder barge that is really powerful. He has Buster Wolf, which is like a diving punch, like Little Max Charge Punch. And if you do the command input, the quarter circle forward to do it, you do an even more powerful version, which can KO people at like 50, 60% if you absolutely get it nice spot on. He has the best thing, though, which is you can do the typical mash A uh, melee combo like all characters can. But... You can cancel Terry's combo to do a special, like you can in fighting games. And it's awesome because you can be like doing a combo and then you can end it in a special, like with a command input and you deal so much damage to people and they get so salty and it's beautiful. I'm sure, I'm sure that, that it feels really great for, for you to see those very salty, sad gamers losing to you in Smash. Uh, I bet you just love yeah. it. But the thing is, I play Banjo all the time because Banjo is just unstoppable for the most part. But it's so nice to play a completely different character that requires thought. Wow. You have to actually... 
No, like mm. most mesh characters, you know what I mean. You press A, you press B, you do a little bit of this, you do a little bit of that, and everything's fine. Whereas with Terry, you're really not... He's not very good unless you do the command input. He's not like Ryu and Ken where, cool, you get a fiery Hadouken and the Shoryuken might be a bit more powerful. Terry <laughs> actually requires you to learn how to do the inputs. And his biggest... Uh, like attribute is that when he hits a hundred percent, he has what's called the go meter, and the go meter allows him to do like a, a special attack at any time, and he can keep using it until he dies. But there are two of them. One is the geyser attack, and one is the Buster Wolf. One is two quarter circles forward and B, and the other one is like a quarter circle back and a half circle forward. So pretty, you know, if you don't play fighting games and you, you know, you're used to Smash Brothers sideways inputs and stuff, that that's pretty complex. But if you don't use it, you're like missing out like a good 40% of what makes Terry good. So you kind of need to learn how to do inputs, which means then you're kind of like playing a fighting game. And that's what makes him cool. Un unlike Smash, which is just not a fighting game. Yeah, of course. You, you took the words right out of my mouth there, George. Wow. Um, well, uh, Matt, we, we, if you like smash and you want to try something new, get Terry. Wait, also you mentioned that you're playing this during lunch, right? Yeah. Is that thanks to the, the switches portability? Uh, well, I work in a video game office, so we have like TVs with switch docks everywhere. So it's oh, not, never mind. it's not hard to play. Cause I just, I just love the, the, the visual image of kids these days. Smashing out at the lunch table. <laughs> you gotta stop saying smashing out. Yeah, I probably should. Matt, you got anything? <laughs> oh, man. Bojack the Horseman came out a new season. It's still good. Oh, my God. Whoa. I need to catch up with that. Dude, Bojack the Horseman is God-level show. Show. Ah, show? show? Cinema? Uh, Netflix? And God chill? Like, God-like chill. Yeah, de definitely, definitely slight chill, slight worry. <laughs> but yeah, would this show just stress me out? Probably. Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Back in the two thousands, I was a famous YouTuber. <laughs> that would be sick. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I got addicted to it. I'm on the new season. Like it's it's a good show in my opinion, like really good, and they they're pretty consistent, and they always do some different things on a couple of the episodes. Um, it's 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 quite nice. It's quite nice. Um, hopefully this is the last season. I I think it is. It does seem like it's winding down. But yeah, yeah I think so. That's yeah. It. That's it. That's that's me. And freaking freaking Netflix keeps auto playing stuff, and it's annoying me. Stop. So, all right. Did you yeah. did you see? Yeah. Have you watched the uh, new thing they're promoting? Uh, the movie, The King. No. Oh, okay. Don't watch it. Don't watch The King. <laughs> I was really excited about it. It's a it's a movie about it, it's like a, a an adaptation of Henry V, the uh, Shakespearean oh. play. Is it like Monty Python? No, no, no. It's a very serious historical film. Uh, and it has Robin Patterson as a French king with a bad French accent. Really? <laughs> and Timothy Chalet, I think that's his name, 
an American actor who plays an English king, and he is actually fucking amazing. He is incredible in this film. He's very, very good. It's just a shame that the film is so boring. I wanted to stab myself in the eyes with arrows. His three is kind of boring. Uh, no, you can make this. The, the problem is this film has so much promise. Some of the scenes are really intense and really well acted and great, but it's padded with pacing that I don't know how to describe it. It's the slowest but fastest cutting film I've watched in a while. You know, where the score story keeps jumping from part to part, like time skips of like of a couple of months. Like one yeah. character's alive, but he's dying, and then all of a sudden, six months the next scene is six months later, and he's he's dying, he's dead. But the the scenes in which it tells that story, it's so slow. Everybody talks so slow with such prose and just it has to be beautiful cinematography and everything's so slow and it never goes anywhere. Gah! Really wanted to like this film, but it's just infuriatingly boring and disappointing. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a shame when you see like really, really good actors being pulled down by everybody else. The writing or other actors. <laughs> or... I'm good. I've watched some stuff, but I think Bojack deserves its own spotlight. Bojack is good. Yeah. Yeah, we'll take a scan. The critics agree. Metal Gear Solid 2 is a hit. Newsweek says it rocks. The best video game for PlayStation 2 raves USA Today. Right, get out of here. And Game Informer names Metal Gear Solid 2 Game of the Year. I've been waiting for this. Metal Gear Solid 2, only on PlayStation 2. Rated M for Mature from Konami. Hello. Hello. And welcome back to the Dead Hello. and Sons podcast. What? What? Did I do something wrong? No, we're just saying hi. Oh. Oh. Wait, yeah, I, believe I heard, it or not. Oh, that's what I heard. Believe okay. it or not. We nothing wrong oh. happened. <laughs> Hello. Boy, it's been it's been a busy week. You're telling me. Yeah, like last week, we we deliberately did not touch on the China news because it was something that had happened the previous week. Before now, it's back with a vengeance. I don't think it's unavoidable this week. We got a lot of stuff to go over. <laughs> no, like, it's, it, I, I won't dwell that. on it. I promise I won't dwell on it. Though. China too, back with vengeance. China right, back with vengeance, but breakfast. I understand. Okay, well, first of all, th th there's a topic that, that's important to Liam, and that's uh, the executive switch around at Sony's. PlayStation Worldwide brand today, uh, shortly before we were recording. Shuha Yoshida has stepped down as the Worldwide Studios president. They picked someone from Guerrilla Games. Guerrilla Games' uh, president named Herman Holst is now they going did. to be in charge of the PlayStation brand. That Yeah, that's that, crazy. That's, that's a white guy-ass name compared to <laughs> Shuhei Yoshida. The Japanese brand PlayStation is, is going to be held up by a guy named Herman now. <laughs> Well, I think he's taking over the what Jack Trenton did prior, and then Jack left earlier this year. And uh, Shuhei's role isn't Worldwide Studios' head. He was different, but his role is changing from what it was to something new now, which is like a completely indie-focused thing for PlayStation 5, I imagine. So, you know, working with indies to have their games on PlayStation 5, which is great, because Sony don't have a, a specific... Uh, indie team part of 
except for Shuhei Yoshida's Twitter. <laughs> yeah, except for Shuhei's Twitter. Even <laughs> Shuhei himself bought one of my games once. So he's, yeah. It makes a lot of sense for for it in a weird way. As weird as these names are, it does make sense. I think there are other reasons as well. Sony have had some troublesome times in the past six months. A lot of staff have left, like long-term staff, like Gio Corti announced he was leaving the other day. The big guy who was like head of PlayStation brand management, uh, big fan of the Vita, he's leaving and he's been there for like 15 years. There's a lot of changes at PlayStation. So this is really interesting. But aside from the Shuhei thing being like, you know, head of indie, which is a big thing for indie developers because it means Sony have a long-term plan to focus on, you know, funding indie game development. The big thing is the fact that they've handpicked Herman Hulst from Gorilla, who's ran Gorilla for like 20 years, now to be the head of PlayStation Worldwide Studios. That's, in, that's insane. He's just become the head of PlayStation almost. Not the CEO, but the head. That's it's quite quite remarkable. Not somebody be... who is technically... Well, I guess Gorilla are a first-party studio of PlayStation, but technically not a PlayStation employee. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, consider... The Killzone games are very closely associated with the brand, but they always felt like such outsiders because... Uh... Just the like Western gray FPS nature of them compared to to console mascots like Ape Escape and, and Metal Gear Solid and uh, oh Crash Bandicoot. Yes, I guess I guess you're right. Yeah, so pretty massive news for PlayStation. In fact, like that is big, not like Nintendo new president big, but for PlayStation's long term, you know plan with ps5 coming out next year uh it's pretty crazy speaking of long-term plans and and weird consoles generations phasing from one to another death stranding is going to be coming out on pc in a few weeks it came out an hour and 17 minutes ago in japan it's been getting mixed (laughs) reviews we mentioned it earlier during the small talk but numbers for this new section are 6.8 from ign four from giant bomb which is Uh, they got an eight from GameSpot. Edge canceled their their review and and doesn't want to finish it because they think it's boring. I don't know. I'm a little apprehensive, but I don't know. I kind of like being a little apprehensive because I feel like if my expectations are lower, then they're going to be exceeded better. I'm kind of ex- I'm kind of excited by all these dis disparagedness, like all of these different opinions flying about. Finally, a game came out that didn't have very similar scores with just one. You know review that outstanding was either a 10 out of 10 or like a 4 out of 10 you know when yeah. like a call of duty comes out and it basically has all of the same numbers across the board death stranding like you could draw a graph and it would be like up and down and up and down and up and down i think that's kind of quite cool about the game also i want to point out the <laughs> balls on ign for that 6.8 you know, for how much hate you constantly read about how the big game review sites are always giving the latest AAA releases like at least something like an eight. There are tons of counter examples that this isn't as ubiquitous as, as haters make it sound. And this is yet another one. 
The 6.8 from IGN on, on Death Stranding. That sounds like something that would not have happened. And now I just see a bunch of people complaining about how the reviewer doesn't like video games or something. How it's a conspiracy that gave it a 6.8. Rather than it being a conspiracy that IGN gave Death Stranding a, a, a 9 because of getting bought off by, by real expensive publishers. That doesn't happen so often as you think and this is proof. I can't wait for Matt next week to be like, what the fuck are IGN thinking? Only 6.8. <laughs> What? No, no, I just, <laughs> I never say anything about the score. I say everything about how poorly they review games. Hmm. Like, there's nothing in that. Re like, the, come on, man. I can talk crap because I reviewed games and I was thorough. Some of these reviews that I see on here are garbage. Not all of them, but they're garbage. Barely, they, they spoil things for no reason. It's a five minute review. How are you spoiling things? Five minute review. If anything, what pisses me anything. off is that they can get away with making five minute video reviews, four hundred word written reviews, and whenever it's all about I, quickness. Okay, okay. I, I'm sorry. There's someone at the door. I'll be right back, guys. I opt out of pest control this time. Yeah. All right. We fine. We got to. Did I walk back in on the China thing? Yeah, we're talking about China. We've already finished. So. China imposing the 10 p.m. curfew for kids. What is it? They can only play like 90 minutes a day as well. 90 minutes a day on weekdays, three hours a day on weekends, and they're not allowed to play from 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. Wow. Wow. Which has happened before, believe it or not. Tencent had rules on its store, which required either a government ID or a cell phone to sign up for. Believe me, I've tried. Um, and if you had a minor registered to that number, then they would impose a curfew in South Korea. You know, freedom loving uh, democracy, uh, whatever the hell the West is supposed to be, South Korea. They also had a curfew imposed for minors gaming at night before. And I think in both of these situations, it doesn't really work because there's lots of easy ways to work around it. I, I feel bad for those kids. Well, I was thinking about this this morning when I read it. I was thinking China's like one of the dominant esports territories. Like they're massive in League of Legends and Counter-Strike and other stuff. Like definitely up there with Korea. And now... Esports is like a young person's game. It's like 16 to 22, and then you're, you know, you're phased out. You have to retire. Uh, so what are the, how are the kids going to practice? Like a, a League of Legends game lasts like 50 minutes. You could barely fit in two games a day, and then you'd have to go to bed. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the idea is that the Chinese government wants their children to grow up to be more useful than esports athletes. <laughs> Just drones for the military. You know, if shit gets really, really bad. Maybe this is China's plan. Make all the children only play 90 minutes of video games, be really good soldiers, and then all the, the American children who are becoming fat and obese while playing 12 hours of video games a day will not be able to fight that. And 
I, I don't want to dwell on the frighteningly realistic possibilities of any sort of societal collapse in the future, drastically recontextualizing how important we consider video games. Very, very, very new, interesting, quick mention I want to throw out. There was a BBC doc on Death Stranding, and Kojima has a little line in it where he suggested that in the future, Kojima Studios will be making movies. Yes, he did say that. Is this, is this it? Is this him finally getting his way? Like, he was like, I I made Death Stranding, that's it. Like, I'm done. I'm done with video games, now I gotta make <laughs> films forever. Except he still made one divisively reviewed video game first. He had to leave his mark. Wondering if, if he's gonna try to be making Death Stranding into a franchise, if he's gonna be doing live action or animated movies, or, uh, ooh, ooh, I could so- I'd be so down for a Yoji Shinkawa movie. Like wispy, sketchy ghost people with with no skin or boundaries melting their way in and out of the frame for ninety minutes. That would be great. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to stand the dialogue of the film. I was talking about the king <laughs> earlier and how boring it was. I don't think as a film I would be able to stand the dialogue of a Kojima thing without it being punctuated with good gameplay in the middle of it. Yeah. Well, if Kojima as a good writer, like 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 Mr. Fukushima on MGS one and three, then maybe they'll uh they'll be able to either rein him in check. But at the same time you also gotta wonder if one and three were the product of someone who is like younger and more energetic and inspired in their careers and if that bottle of lightning is just not gonna come back anymore ever again. Uh. I am I am kinda happy for him in a <laughs> weird way. He's like he's definitely full of himself. One of the angles to it he mentioned was that he believes that in in a few years all of everyone's tv movies and games will be on streaming platforms so he's seeing this as a way to break into competition of of his games now trying to share the same space as non-interactive content which yeah. reminds me that a few weeks ago um riot games had revealed that they were going to start producing an in-house animated series for league of legends Blizzard already make like some of the best cinematics that you wish were movies. Anyway, the new Diablo cinematic is oh fucking amazing. So good, so good. So it's, it's possible. The, the the difference between having their feature made in the Hollywood system versus in house, I think, is gonna be pretty big. There's there's definitely I I think what Kojima says is smart. There is definitely a there a space now for somebody with a budget to not have to rely on filmmaking in a traditional sense of releasing in the cinema and having to be film uh be funded by a studio and all this kind of jazz. And like you can make films now like I Am Mother and uh films similar to that in scale and budget on Netflix. And you cannot bankrupt a studio and you don't have to rely on cinema ticket sales to be able to make the next one. So it's, I think that's potentially an avenue. If, if a Kuji, I think Netflix would snap up the idea of like the first film from Hideo Kojima streaming now on Netflix. Oh, by the way, that was a real suit in I Am Mother. I know. I saw the corridor vid digital video as well. Yeah, you did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. I think everyone's watching them now. <laughs> is this what what it might take for video game movies to be good? Is for <laughs> them to be made in house on a streaming platform that the games are competing with other entertainment on? I think they will be always two separate entities. 
But well, what about good? Sure, separate entities, but but what no, about I, when, I, no? Because Kojima wouldn't make a game that's a video. He wouldn't make a film that's a video game film. He'd make a film film, but written like Hideo Kojima, <laughs> <laughs> which would be bonkers. I I, he would I just, just so... end up being MGS four back to back without any gameplay. That, that's I I so like. would want the Kojima movie to be artsier than that. I would want it to be like a Yoji Shinkawa animated feature or some weird artsy no, you can't have famous Japanese in movie. Uh, they can have them animated. Kojima uh, likes famous people. Animate the famous people, Kojima. <laughs> Do you think Kojima could stick to a two hour time limit as well? Two hours is like the minimum I would expect. Uh, yeah, exactly. Nobody's going to watch that. Cameo oh. the game. I can't wait in a few hours. Oh. <laughs> okay. One well, hour anyways. 28 minutes into Cameo the game. I can't wait to deliver deliver pizza to, to Conan. <laughs> <laughs> and Edgar Wright. One of the bigger ass news topics of this week that I actually wrote bullet points out of that we might talk less about than the Kojima movie, which is just a rumor which doesn't have anything, is what a roller coaster blizzcon turned out to be yeah okay there's china there's there's overwatch 2 there's diablo 4 there's a, a story mode there's no offline mode there's winnie the pooh cosplayers there's a non-apology uh the 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 esport athletes and the streamers are still banned President, J there's intrigue and conspiracy. The Blizzard president is now like putting blame on their Chinese partner NetEase, saying that they were involved with with the conversations about what to do with the controversial Hong Kong supporting esport athlete and player. Aye, aye, aye. There's there's social media posts from from Blizzard's Chinese partner talking about how they need to defend the pride of China, and apparently that was NetEase too. So now. Okay, so Blizzard president J. Allen Brack has has issued a public statement saying that, quote, Blizzard had the opportunity to bring the world together and we did not. We moved too quickly in our decision making and then to make matters worse, we were too slow to talk to all of you. Uh, PC Gamer followed up that intro keynote. I don't know if I want to call it explanation, clarification. I'll call it clarification. This was a clarification that Jay Allen Brack began BlizzCon with PC Gamer followed it up with a rather unflattering review where um rather a rather unflattering interview where Brack mentioned this this intrigue with with their Chinese partner NetEase and how the uh people who have been punished are still not um yeah no the internet didn't like that the Blizzard's handling of China is is still bad but that Diablo 4 cinematic though Diablo 4 has been announced and the trailer looks fine, I guess. Uh, the gameplay looks the same, but... But the trailer... Wait, the trailer looks fine to you, George? Is that it? Yeah, the art style looks cool, but I've never really been a big Diablo fan, so... No, I, I don't think of it as that. Like, no, I just... The cinematic like, is amazing. He doesn't like, like, advertisement. George yeah. like against the man, you know? Yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm a hardcore rebel who's... who's licking is, my own finger is that an advert like a fucking he nine minute it's advert though like a nine how is it not an advert but it's a nine minute cinematic that would be in the game regardless like i understand what you mean it's attached to a product that will eventually come out but 
as something I can watch on YouTube for 10 minutes and pass the time in a really cool way. I don't know. So how cool. are you not being advertised? Okay, wait. Actually, also, I think we're talking about a different thing. Because what I saw was a gameplay trailer. You didn't see the actual cinematic. Like, the nine-minute... Why would I watch a cinematic trailer with no gameplay? Because <laughs> it's... Oh, I... Because the thing is, the gameplay trailer still has the cinematic... Like, there's a beautifully rendered old man. I am... I am... I... I, do you, I just do, don't even know. Liam, do you, nine do minutes you realize of... that the old... Like, the, the man with the eye patch, doesn't he look like the... Barristan... Like, uh, not the, the guy from Game of Thrones. Yes. Right? And he sounds like it as well. That was weird, man. It is super weird. And he comes back alive like the guy from Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's super weird. Yep. I was like, that guy is that guy from Game of Thrones. That's definitely copyright infringement. (laughs) So (laughs) it's so weird. Like, I don't know what cinematic trailer you guys are talking about, but I'm 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 rewatching through the gameplay trailer and like, yeah, it looks fine. It looks good, actually. Yeah, that that's no. The the gameplay trailer is really boring. Like it just looks it looks like Diablo. It's fine. Nobody cares about but that. But the cinematic trailer yeah. isn't even no. what you play. But no. the nine-minute cinematic trailer is worth <laughs> buying the game for just to watch that trailer because it's awesome. It's you so... can watch it for free on you. I know. You're just fucking with me now at this point. I just <laughs> what, what I'm saying, George, is you need to watch it. Yeah, it just looks like the Okay, it is it's it is harder for me to watch these cinematic CGI I I've gone on the rant before. Yeah, you have. I'm sure I've gone on this rant before. I think Blizzard get an exception because they are like a cut above any cinematic mm-hmm. like trailers. They're not the greatest trailers for video games. That's a completely different thing, but as a cinematic related to a video hmm. game they are a cut hmm. above everybody else. You the know, Overwatch you do ones, you do drive a hard ones. bargain here because I while I I watched <laughs> fuck me, right? While I watched the gameplay trailer for Diablo 4, I did indeed watch the cinematic reveal trailer <laughs> for Overwatch 2. See, and that is a weaker trailer compared to the Diablo 4 one. Yeah, I I did like the D4 trailer better. Yeah. But you haven't watched the cinematic trailer. There were cinematics. At, whatever. No, these the, are not the, the, cinematics, dude. No, this is not no, what we're George, talking George, about. George, God damn it! These Come are on. not what we're talking about. I'm watching the video you watched, and it just looks like Diablo. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah no. it looks fine. It looks you like a fine a, Diablo game. You need to watch the one without gameplay. Oh my the god! The reveal. Oh god! So Overwatch okay. Two is gonna gonna have a story mode and. We didn't get to see what it plays like in this cinematic trailer with no gameplay. <laughs> Wait, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, George, uh, I posted it. That one. I I have I have been tacking on my keyboard on the YouTube results. I know what you guys are talking about. Why won't you watch it? Because we're podcasting. I'm willing to wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You're going to be disappointed, Liam. I know, he's gonna be like, eh, it was fine. I'm probably gonna be like, why should I be impressed by this, though, if it's not the product I'm buying? Because it's an impressive cinematic. If you saw it on YouTube and it was made by, like, an amateur, like, animator or something, you'd be like, wow, this is amazing. Oh, yeah, if it was a completely different thing under completely different context, then my judgment would be different. But you don't have to buy Diablo 4 to to enjoy the cinematic. Mm, Yeah, but I also don't know what's going on in the cinematic if I don't know anything about Diablo. 
I am so confused by how your brain works. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so let's skip Overwatch 2 and go to listener questions. Hell Hello. yeah. <laughs> if you have a listener question, please send it in to dadandsonspodcast at gmail.com. Give me that vitamin Q. It's the weird one that, that the doctor wants you to uh, ingest. Ingest only only oh. in suppository form. <laughs> Orally. <laughs> Our first question comes from Andrew C. After Liam discussed the amount of work that has been put into Death Stranding in such little time, I wanted to ask, do you think Kojima worked on assets for Death Stranding during his time with Konami? If so, would that have implications with the creation of Death Stranding? No. Uh, he would not have done that. Because You're not allowed have, to, are you? Because one, he's not allowed to. Two, he doesn't have the ability to because he's not a technical designer. Uh, although the credits of Death Stranding shows that 60 people from Konami moved over to Kojima Productions, which is a lot of people. But regardless, they didn't have an engine. They did not have an engine in time, so they will not have done any work because they won't know what will have been compatible with the engine. Obviously, you don't make assets in engine. You make them in stuff like Maya or Blender and stuff like that. But considering Kojima spent a, a good year traveling, trying to find an engine for his game probably meant that he didn't want to start anything apart from concept art until, you know, it was possible. He might have he, been noodling. He might have been writing a script or having, you know, you're just an abstract idea in his head. Do, yeah, bring up some ideas and stuff. But in regards to actually making assets for the game that are in the game right now, no way. Yeah, you can't do that. This is how John Carmack got in trouble with Bethesda, is that he was working on the Oculus Rift during his time at Bethesda. You yeah. can't do that. It's a non-competing clause. It's almost in every video game studio's contract as well. If you're working on a really cool video game, but you have a cool idea in your head for another cool video game, keep it in your head! Yes. Other video game studios will take it from you. Because I, I suspect that what was happening at Kojama was... that at Kojama. At Konami Kojama. was conceptualization. Um, Death Stranding also re resembles to me this, this concept of Project Ogre which he was using as a code name to refer to MGS5 when it was still in development. He's, for the past like half decade, he's been real big on the whole open world sandboxy military action game where you can solve problems in whatever way the player imagines. And this Imagine. MGS5 and Death Stranding both seem like, like giant sandbox games with player expression and weird player created goals so i i i'm sure he thought about it while he was at konami but you're not allowed to actually work on it otherwise you get sued such little time the reviews speak for themselves right <laughs> <laughs> i am amazed because 2016 to 2019 that's three years i mean from very very start to finish that is a quite a neat turnaround considering the technology that is in this game i'm impressed we'll find out on the next episode of dad and sons get ready for that dudes you rent your death threat death strandings J jamie p asks what was your favorite halloween costume you've dressed up as either as a kid or as an adult also how did you celebrate halloween now that you're kind of old family chicken <laughs> why did i think jamie's like a boomer he's <laughs> <laughs> like okay, 16 boomer. asking us like you're kind of old <laughs> family chicky 
We what? talked about yeah. this oh, already. Yeah, yeah. So. we did this a week ago, a little bit, but... No, not we, two we, weeks we, ago. We didn't say, how do you celebrate Halloween now that you're kind of old? Get drunk. I went to a huge house party, and I was... <gasps> Matt Chewbacca. sent us pictures! Yeah, yeah, Matt sent us pictures! I forgot, Matt actually looked fucking wicked. That <laughs> so, looks great! <laughs> I was Chewbacca, and I kept... It was like a onesie, but I kept getting stuff from other people. So um, for my belt, um, I had another friend who brought, uh, he was a doctor, but he had jello shots on like this belt thing and I wrapped it around <laughs> me so it looked like, <laughs> it looked like. It did look like you were delivering, you were delivering all of the shots to the yes, good people. Yes, I was. I ran out really quickly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I stole a hat from um, an Asian cowboy. He he's from Montana or something like that, <laughs> but he still has his like country roots. <laughs> so I stole his hat. But yeah, that's why that's why the picture looked like that. I forgot which one I sent fantastic. you. Did I sent you the one with the gag ball too? I can't yeah, remember. It was a wild night. Three. Oh, gag ball. Ooh. <laughs> it was, it wild was wild. <laughs> Definitely getting wild. <laughs> it was a good time, man. That's how that's how you celebrate when you're old. You you go over you get drunk. and trash <laughs> your friend. Somebody else's house. house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get dressed up and just go drink. Yeah. It's responsible. If you pass out, it's at your friend's house. You know, it's, it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Yeah. Don't go home in an ambulance. Yeah. No, not none of that. None of that. And everyone you there will help you once. if, you know, if something happened. But, you know, be responsible. <laughs> be, yeah. We're all adults here. Uh, uh, Mike Han asks, Matt, what what is your favorite Hollow Knight no, boss? What did you do? What, whoa. Ah. what did you do? Come on, Shaggy. Uh, last year, last year I went to a Halloween no, party with friends. Year. Last year I went to a Halloween party with friends. <laughs> last year I didn't do anything, so you know. <laughs> there you go. Actually, actually, I'm with you, George. This year I also did not do anything. Oh. I, I played the Outer Worlds, and honestly, I thought about like I checked my phone and I was like, oh yeah, it's Halloween. I'm kind of happy. I'm just playing on Halloween. Outer worlds. <laughs> I'm kind of lonely, and I'm playing video games. <laughs> so Mike can asks Matt, "What's your favorite Hollow Knight boss?" Oh man, what is my favorite Hollow Knight boss? Um, God, I I remember getting my ass kicked by the one in I think the deepest. Was this the deepest? The deep nest. Yeah, the one that's on the bottom left of the map. I kept getting my ass kicked, and I kind of liked it. And then there was like a harder mode after you beat him and you go inside. Oh my god! And oh like yeah, yeah. I just finished up the deep nest. I I saw how you can replay bosses with the Soul Master. Yeah. As soon as I I went back to replay that boss again, and I I was like, no, never mind. I'm good. Dude, dude. A lot of these bosses are like just really good just just phenomenal stuff man i so the deep nest are you talking about the spider type people i'm trying no, to remember like... if they were a boss fight or not i might not have actually gotten to, to the look... boss in particular you're talking about I'm trying to look for all the all the ones here um yeah it's it's bottom left of the map and it's like uh kind of like where you get like a flight power i think it it could be Nosk, maybe. Yeah, for some reason it's not showing up here. 
Nike. Oh, Warrior Dreams. It might be a Warrior Dream then. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, I, I can't remember what boss it is. I can't remember what boss, but I remember him having like a sword or whatnot. It wasn't a needle girl. Um, but bottom left of the map, you would probably understand what I'm talking about because at the end, there's like a there's like a little statue at the bottom of the map too. Uh, that that whole area has just been like a grind for me to get through. There's just like barely any monsters in that area. It's very like there's gloomy. there's pitfalls. There's there's spiders that come out of the background and. And rush you. Remember the big spiders with the masks that clog up holes? Yes. They were they're hard. This game is not hard. This game's easy. What are you talking about? Get good. Hol- Hollow Knight's hard. And, and in a few weeks I'm gonna have a lot to say about Hollow Knight, I'm sure. If you finish it, yeah. Uh everyone, what's your favorite boss ever? Favorite boss ever. Favorite boss oh, ever. The deep nest. No, that's not it. That's not what I'm talking about. No, not that one. Favorite boss ever. Can I do a little bit of an unconventional submission? Yeah. I want to say, like, Undertale has a lot of good bosses, but Metaton, I think, as the years have rolled on, Metaton, I think, is gradually becoming one of my favorite boss fights. Jetstream Sam from Metal Gear Rising. That is a good fight. It would have been too easy for me to pick a Metal Gear game, so I'm I'm branching a out a bit. It's a good fight, though. Oh my god, the Metal Gear game! I really like the sniper stuff, man. The sniper guy. The, old the guy. end. Just sniper just the the old. Yeah. Oh, Metal in MGS3. Yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of those bosses are creative. It, it it's not necessarily hard. It's just like god, the build up towards it. Boss. And all of a sudden, he just gets up out of the chair, and then he's just somewhere there in the forest, and it's just quiet. Oh, my God. I remember the first time I played that. I was like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> this is freaking cool. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah that, that's probably one of my favorites from Metal Gear. Um, Ancient Basin is uh, the area I'm talking about. And I can't oh, yeah. I haven't cleared yeah. that one out. Um, it is Lost Kin, I believe, is the boss. Lost Kin. He looks so in... normal in this picture, but I know that boy ain't normal. <laughs> Instagram versus reality. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be Broken Vessel. Too. That, that, those were pretty... That, that was hard. That's a hard boss. But yeah. I, creative bosses are so much more fun than hard bosses. IMO, I feel, to me. What's his name from Sekiro? Genichiro? Sekiro. Genichiro, yeah. Sekiro isn't creative. Sekiro is just hard. <laughs> I think I think Genichiro is pretty creative, considering you know it's got it's limited in what it can do. It's just you fighting a samurai dude, but he jumps up, has like the giant uh, like tachibana arrow stuff firing at you, and he's like firing lightning and stuff, and it's it's a real a real test of the difference between your types of what the game's trying to teach you and he's kind of the same as you but better i i like that fight that's that's one that's like a this year fight i remember i can't disagree with that That was a really fun boss fight yeah i i definitely felt the the you know um the the squeeze the intense the relief after you beat him how how your body oh gets all God, physical yeah. in, in those games. When you when you jump in the air and catch the lightning and throw it back at him and you're like, Oh my god, I did that. Ah, it's so your, bad. your toes tighten up and your your fingers Wait, clench. Which which game are we talking about? Sekiro. Sekiro. 
Oh. Oh. Oh, that game. <laughs> game I'll never and play again. <laughs> that game is so good. I'm so sad there's no DLC. I wonder if our opinions on Death Stranding are going to be more or less divisive than our opinions on Sekiro. I think Matt's going to love it more than both of us. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. I reckon Matt's going to come back and he's going to be like, this is the greatest masterpiece of all time. Well, the most know, important video fun, game yeah. in the history of the medium. It's like, I don't get what these dumb shits are talking about. This is a fucking 12 out of 10. I can pee in a mushroom grows and then I can pick it up and eat it. This is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. You rock the baby. You you physically rock the baby. <laughs> now it just sounds like IGN. <laughs> you feel like Spider-Man. <laughs> it's like I'm IGN really Norman that? Reedus. Oh my God. Sounds like it. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> there actually is a line from an old public access TV show called Gaming in the Clinton Years where he reviews the Flintstones on the Super Nintendo. And he actually says on TV while reviewing a video game with complete sincerity before, you know, the internet invented sarcasm. Wow, it's like you're really John Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I think I follow that Twitter <laughs> that puts like I'm really context. John Goodman. Um, one last question from Aubrey. Uh, they say, growing up, my actual dad, not the podcasting ones, would take my siblings and I on cross country road trips for weeks at a time and create thematic mixtapes for the drive. Oh, we're going to be doing that next week in Death Stranding. These trips inadvertently instilled some of my deepest passions music, travel, national parks, photography, etc. Has a childhood slash young adult experience inadvertently shaped who you are today? <laughs> wait, what was that? wait what was that last one can you, can you that? has a childhood slash young adult experience inadvertently shaped who you are today the example being dad taking you on road trips giving you a uh passion for for travel and national parks and photography um shit yeah i mean i got i got at least one big one and that is a cousin of mine giving me some hand-me-down video games. <laughs> oh my god, that dog said something. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, okay. Now that... <laughs> you were like, you were so enthusiastic. Like, I remember a cousin giving me some hands. <laughs> that is not what I meant to imply at all. I am sorry. I was wow. like four years yeah. old. And and just got a Nintendo, okay? Okay? I bet yeah. you did. And, and it was all downhill from there. Definitely, I, definitely, like, video game-wise, having, when I got my Sega Genesis, ugh, Sega Mega Drive, my grandmother came back from playing golf. She's she was She's obsessed with golf. <laughs> and she came back, and I was four years old, and she, I remember saying to my mom, oh... One of the girls from Golf's grandson is going to university and they're getting rid of his stuff. Now, in hindsight, I think back to being that grandson and thinking, oh, shit, they threw away my Mega Drive for free. Anyway, I got that poor sucker's Mega Drive because <laughs> they didn't know what to do it. It was like 1994. So they were like, oh, maybe the kids will enjoy it. You know, it's like a toy. So I got, yeah, a Sega, yeah. I got a Sega Mega Drive through some poor woman at golf, which sparked my love of video games, having played my first ever video game, 
Robocop versus Terminator. Hell nice. yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah. Robocop versus Terminator. So th- I guess that 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 was like the spark of the video game thing and then when that the, how I got my N64 at Christmas as well, that was another way. So That is such peak ass like 90s radness. Hell yeah. Being Robocop. an 11-year-old boy or just a boy. It doesn't even matter what age you are. RoboCop and Terminator, even if you're way too young for both franchises, oh, you still knew who young. they were. Yeah, it was, yeah. I just remember the Terminator and being like, oh, I know who this is. I was four and probably had <laughs> seen him in a magazine or something. I don't know. But in regards to like something outside of video games, my dad used to take me to a lot of soccer games. Ever since then, I've always really enjoyed like live sports. Like, going to watch, even if I'm not that interested in the sport, but watching sports live and feeling like the atmosphere of everybody in the stadium and stuff like that is something I, till this day, really, really still enjoy. Which is very different to video games. I gotta say, like, a lot of the stuff that I'm into now, like, heavily into music, travel and all that, and, you know, um, hiking, all this stuff I... I developed later in life. Yes. I didn't get any of this stuff when I was younger. Like, none of it. The only thing I would say was, like, when I was young, my single mom bought a Nintendo with uh, Ninja Turtles on it and a Mario game. And ever since then, I've been playing video games. because You got one of them Marios. Some Marios. Yeah. And ever since then, I've been playing video games. But other than that, yeah, dude. It's all downhill from there, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I I wonder if having a a big backyard with with some woods. We had woods in the backyard when I was in the 3rd and 4th grades. I wonder what that did to me. Like is that why I like walking around in the woods in these boring ass WRPGs so much is it's cuz it reminds me of a two couple good years of childhood. Mm. Oh, George. It's like like I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated by the question of nature versus nurture. Like, do we just like the things we like because of uh, elaborate butterfly effects of, of stuff tracing their way all the way back to your early childhood? Hmm. Because you know, I, I have talked to you guys before about how my dad would like bring me up on tales of old Greek legends, and now somehow that's coming back to hit me hard right now. Yeah, too hard, in fact. Curb your enthusiasm. Hmm. Gotta gotta get smacked right right back into our current era, don't I? <laughs> I definitely am glad. I don't know about you guys, but those types of things, I'm definitely glad I take joy in the small things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being doing the bike trip when I was 22, like that taught me so much patience. Mm. I was just thinking, like, what, like when I was a kid, what I would get most excited about, and it would be like the stupidest shit, like opening a booster pack of Yu-Gi-Oh cards or magic cards. Oh yeah, the and smell. Like, just oh, yes. just the the excitement of not knowing what you're going to get. You've spent your pocket money on it. You've gone with your friends to the store. You've made a whole day of it. Yeah. And it's just the tiniest joy, but it means so much to you. And I am so glad that I have managed to keep that even now like sitting down wrapping myself in a blanket having a cup of tea while playing a video game and listening to a podcast is now like my favorite thing to do and it's like ah why do i need anything else this is brilliant yeah 
my God, my mom used to take me to this flower shop that for some reason would buy a pack of Pokemon, uh, <gasps> a booster. Nice. Pack, and yeah. we'd go in there and buy them. They were like a little bit cheaper than like the regular card shops. And every night, every like Sunday, we'll go and buy a pack. God, <gasps> that new card smell is something that is yeah. still burned in my brain. And I haven't smelled that in like 20 years. And, and back then you, you looked at it and you're like, you enjoyed every card you got. You know, oh, nowadays yeah. you're just yeah. like, oh, this card's shit. And you this card's shit. And this you would carry shit. them around with you everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And you'd hold them in your hand for like days. <laughs> you never let go. Yeah. Like this is my new chancy. Don't touch <laughs> my chancy. My chancy. Yeah. <laughs> I will cut you. Yeah. Shitty cards had value. Because you're emotional. a emotional, yeah. sentimental, emotional value. Yeah. It's beautiful. Everything is more precious when you have had less time to consume it. Yeah, I yes. I still have a box of them. They're just not. Back home, <laughs> I have a box of them, yeah. <laughs> and now it's like you'd find the box and you'd be like, oh, I can enjoy Pokemon again. And then immediately you'd go on the internet to find out what the best meta decks are, what cards you need, how much they cost on Amazon, like what shinies you need to get. <sighs> we need to simplify things a bit more. <laughs> Yeah. Live in the simple times, boomers. <laughs> no, you need things. Everyone wants things. I want How can the economy sustain itself if people don't just spend money on things all the time? Yeah. Just just take joy in more smaller things, more simple things, like road trips and hiking. And hiking is good. Hiking just is good, man. Leaning back on an on an open, clean road, listening to your favorite dads and sons. Yeah, like this podcast. It's free. Free. For now. For, uh, <laughs> Until we announce Dad and Sons Premium. <laughs> <laughs> the new subscription service model where Kojima will be debuting his first film. <laughs> Only $24.99 thousand yen a month you gotta understand our podcast will be the streaming platform It'll for kojima's movie in existence <laughs> our podcast will stream his movie and you just gotta listen to it the daz streaming service <laughs> the daz has a service <laughs> okay that's that's it that, we've peaked <laughs> coming next year